We're bringing up Pastor Jerry, our lead pastor. Y'all give him a round of applause. He's going to be coming up. I don't know where he is. Oh, come on, Dad. Come on. Come on. And we're going to bring up Ben, our new worship pastor. Oh, he's, he's right there. Yeah. And then uh, my sister, Ashley. Y'all, many of y'all know Ashley. There she is. And then we're going to bring up our children's pastor, Beach Kids pastor, Courtney Stallman. So give it up for all of them. They're going to grab a stool. And uh, we're going to get started. We started this last year, and we're just going to kind of continue to do it. Um, we like tradition here at, at United and, uh, and doing some things year after year um, because they're good. And one of those good things is doing a panel night, <clears throat> and it's where we take your questions. Um, some of you have texted me throughout the week. Some of you uh, ask some questions to your life group leaders, and they ask the questions to me. Some of y'all message me. Some of y'all ask me in person. Um, <clears throat> some of the questions were questions that I've heard brought up in life groups and just throughout the years. Um, from students, and, uh, and this is just an opportunity for us to bring up uh, some people that are just a little bit um, ahead of you in age and experience. Um, some of them are on our church staff. Obviously, if you come to big church, you see uh, Ashley up there leading worship every week. Um, and, uh, and so I thought each of these people brings a great amount of wisdom and understanding of both what you guys are going through and, uh, and what God says about what life is like and how to follow him and how to deal with some of the tough situations that we get every day, um, but especially for those tough situations that a lot of times you guys have as young people. So now that, you have, uh, now that you've had the introductions, I'm going to scoot a little bit closer to them so I don't feel alone, and, uh, and we're going to start. We're going to start with a very simple question, and uh, the first question is, what is your favorite sports team? Mine is Florida State. Y'all already know that. Okay, go. Florida Gators. Go Knowles. Florida State. I brought my own mic. Florida State. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to move from that to a much, more, uh, a much more romantic question. How did you know that you had found your current uh, husband or wife, your spouse? How did you know you had found your spouse? And, uh, and what should I look for in a potential boyfriend or girlfriend? So how did you know you... We're ready to be married, that you had found the one you were going to be married to. And what should I look for in a potential boyfriend or girlfriend? We'll just go left to right on this one. Start with you, Ben. Recently married. Recently married. How long have you been married? Three months. Three months. Give it up for three months of marriage. The big yeah. three. Nice. All right, Ben, take it away. I mean, I, I, uh, I knew I wanted to be with somebody who loved the Lord, and that was huge. Um, but there's obviously a lot of Christians, right, who exist and do genuinely love the Lord, you know, you can't just marry all of them. I mean, you could, I think in, in Utah you could, but not here. Um, but I knew, uh, Dakota's really close with, if you don't know my wife Dakota, Dakota's really close with Courtney, and Courtney could testify to this. D- Dakota loves the Lord, and she makes me want to love Jesus more. And uh, that cannot be, ch- like, ch- like, just championed enough in a spouse, in my opinion. Um, so that's my input. If you didn't get the laughter, I'm not married. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, always physical attraction is a part of how you... Yeah, Pastor Jerry understands the struggle. You got to find someone who looks good. But but here's what you got to know. I mean, I've been married for over 30 years, and, you know, that's not enough to sustain a relationship for years and years and years. You really need to find... I knew I'd found someone when not only was she the love of my life, she was my best friend, and someone who could... Not only be an encourager in my life, but someone who would also speak the truth to me when I needed to hear it. And so 
Um, those were very, very important. And someone I could laugh with, have fun with, and we had common values and faith. And my sister, you know, Ashley, is the most recent married on this stage, correct? How long has it yeah, been? Yeah. Um, what's the date today? The 8th. Two months and two one day. Two months. Nice. Give it up for All two right. months. Come on. Going strong. Going strong. Um, I think everything that they've mentioned, of course. I, When I was in middle school and high school and even in college, I didn't really care. This is how I knew, which might be an odd thing. Anyway, um, I didn't really care about having a boyfriend. And I, I did have boy a boyfriend. And um, it was just kind of like whatever. Like, I had my own stuff going on. I was going to cure cancer. I was going to be a doctor. I didn't do any of those things. Um, we'll talk about that later. Um, but it was... It, it was the first time where I felt like, oh, wait a second. Like, I actually wanted to invest and to spend time with this person. And then um, we broke up for a little while. And then God kind of brought us back together through a course of events. And I don't know, all of that together kind of helped me to find that he was the one. And I would say, for me, um, that... Uh, I think sometimes people say you, you know, they're like love at first sight and you know right away. Um, and me and Karen were kind of set up by someone here at church. And, uh, and I think both of us were just like, whatever, like she wasn't really interested. I wasn't really interested. We were just kind of like, okay, we'll go out because this lady is never going to stop bothering us until we go on a blind date. And, uh, and we finally did. And then we just kept going. And, um, and I would just say that, um, what I realized is that it's different for everybody. Some people uh, know they want to be married right away. Um, but I just learned over time um, that I wanted to be with her for the rest of my life because she was encouraging. And she, like dad said, he, she would speak the truth in love and she would tell me what I needed to hear. Um, but that she, I would say the biggest thing is that she encourages me and that she, uh, she lifts me up. And if you date somebody that doesn't do that, they're probably not the one you need to marry because it's not just going to change. Uh, when you get married, I promise you, it's just probably going to get worse. Um, and so, uh, I would just encourage you to find someone who lifts you up. And and of course, what Ben said is the most important that they love Jesus. Not just like, kind of like, oh yeah, I I think I go to church like once or twice. Like your, your future spouse should, uh, just should bring you towards Jesus like crazy. Like they should challenge you in your faith. Not just like, like you're dragging them along to church, but like they're, they're really, you're challenging each other um, to be better, like, like a life group does and a life group leader. Um, but definitely that, that Karen encouraged me. I think that was a, a really big thing for me, and I just realized um, that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. So I think you should look for, in a boyfriend or girlfriend, what you want in a spouse. Don't just uh, try to switch it up halfway through because that doesn't work. Um, what's the hardest thing you've had to do in the name of Jesus? What's the hardest thing you've had to do in the name of Jesus? This is a great question. I need, I need time to think. I should have thought about this beforehand, but I have a few options. So I'll go. Go ahead. And- so I went to UNF right after high school before I went to Kansas City and interned or whatever. But I was, uh, I was at UNF one day and uh, basically knew there's not many times where I feel like the Lord has audibly spoke. And I've, it's been so clear beyond, a, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Uh, but I was walking down, if you're, like, walking towards Lot 18, which is way out. It's, like, for the people who don't want to buy the expensive parking passes. Yeah, it's, like, so far. Um, and this girl was walking towards me, and I knew, like, she, 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 you know, she had a limp in her leg. I knew the Lord was saying, I, I want you to pray for healing in her leg. And I was like, no way. That's no way. Put my headphones in. No way. Kept walking. Like, the, the sidewalk was busy. How many of you would have just stopped? Yes, Lord. You know, send me. No. 
Um, kept walking, whatever. But like, as soon as she walked by me, I cannot even tell you like the conviction that I felt. Um, so I turned around. She was probably like a hundred yards past me. Um, turned around and I, I straight up just told her out, you know, and she was like at her car by now. So it was really weird because I was like following her. Like, like, you know, you read these stories in the Bible and they're so like, you know, you know, they just seem so cool. This is like something that it was awkward. I was following this girl around, walked up to her. I was like, Hey, could I pray for your leg? She was like, what? Like, what in the world? Anyway, she had like this cast. It wasn't really a cast. It was like these, these metal bars that went like through her knee. And they were kind of stuck with like one little loop. It was gross because you could see like blood and everything. And I was like, yeah, yeah I go, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, but I actually prayed for her leg. I got down on my hands and, you know, and, and, or I got down on my knees and just prayed for her leg. And nothing happened. And I was like sweating. I was like, oh, my God. It was like 100 degrees outside. It was horrible. <laughs> Got up, I was like, well, have a good day. Like, no, but I, ha- I happened to be leading worship that night at uh, 1122. It was on a Thursday night. And uh, this guy walks up to me after service, and he goes, you're the guy. Like, you're the, I think you're the guy. I really think you're the guy. And I had no idea what he was talking about. No idea. You know what I mean? Well, then his daughter walks out from behind him and doesn't have a leg brace on anymore. Just has a few Band-Aids on her leg from where they had pulled the cast out. She had literally gone to the doctor right after that, and they said, your leg's totally fine. So I didn't see the miracle happen before my very eyes. But what, what was the hardest thing for me to ever do was actually one of the coolest things I've ever, ever experienced. Um, I think one of the hardest things I had to do was actually accept my calling to do kids ministry. And why that was the hardest thing for me is because it went against everything my parents ever wanted for me. Okay. I was supposed to go to college. I was supposed to become the president of the United States and then get my doctorate and it would all be great. Um, And so I did the opposite of what my parents thought I was going to do. And I remember I had to tell them that God had called me into full-time ministry and that I was going to work in a church And the thought of telling them that made me want to throw up. Luckily, I did not throw up when I told them, but they were not happy about it. Like, y'all, literally for probably two years, they were like, so don't you think you want to be a teacher instead? You know, it's like with kids. It's kind of the same thing, right? Like, don't you want to, like, I don't know, go help other kids, like, in a normal setting? And, y'all, they they took me to church. They were the ones that brought me to church when I was little. And so the fact that they didn't accept that at first was really the hard thing when I knew on my heart that God had called me into full-time ministry. So that was the hardest thing I've had to do. So if you guys have been around Beach for very long at all, you'll know because I talk about it all the time, the, great, the most difficult thing I've ever had to do was at a time three or four years ago when we were a church, this huge church, and lots of staff, and God laid it on my heart that he, that I was, he was really calling me to launch a church out of Beach called the Church of 1122. And uh, it was an entire season of gut-wrenching, heartache, struggle, challenge, uh, times when people didn't understand, um, it dis- it was very disruptive for where we were headed, and um, it's very, very difficult, <clears throat> and I think at times it really helps clarify your faith when you step out and do something that God's called you to do that's going to be very, very challenging and difficult, and uh, so that was mine, but um, God has truly just blessed that season of difficulty and obedience and uh, God's got now two great churches doing a lot of awesome stuff in our community. Yeah, y'all can clap. Um, I kind of have a few things. I think 
uh, kind of following along with Courtney with uh, the job that I have right now. Um, so I'm a therapist. I work with uh, kids in foster care. Um, and I've been thinking about this a lot recently, about how it's my calling for right now, and it's uh, really difficult. Um, I, don't, I don't really know how to describe it. But when you, I think I went on like mission trips and stuff in student ministry, and I served a lot. And that was really great. Um, and you serve people who are broken and hurting. But uh, the population I work with are broken and hurting, and they're very challenging. And I've never been in such a place where God has stretched me in terms of my loving people um, when they're screaming at you, cursing at you. Sometimes we get kicked and bit by kids, and it's just because they're hurting, you know, and working with kids who have been through horrible things, and um, and because of that, they are this way. And so that's kind of been one that God's brought to my attention recently, just the past four years that I've worked in the field that I have, that he is, um, yeah, that's been a huge challenge. And something else that I feel like I just need to say, um, one of the hardest things I ever had to do was on a personal note, was go to counseling. I know, like a therapist who's also been to counseling. Um, But maybe someone here needs to hear that tonight. That just came to my mind. When I was in my freshman year of college, I had to go to counseling, and it was really hard for me to admit that I needed help um, and just someone to talk to. So I don't know if someone needed to hear that, but I just said it. Awesome. And I think think the thing, the common thread through all these is that – it's not easy. Uh, there are a lot of things that God calls us to do that are hard to do, but I think in every single instance that was just spoken, you guys heard firsthand about um, some amazing things that happen. And think about how many thousands of people don't know Jesus if Pastor Jerry says, I'm not going to do that. I'd rather keep a big church and we're just going to stay together and I'm not going to launch a church. There's thousands of people that will not spend eternity in heaven. Um, and we don't know. I mean, been like... <laughs> I didn't know he did that. He like, well, he didn't do anything, but I didn't know like he took this step. And then like a girl was just like, it was like New Testament stuff. Like a lot of us think, oh, healings don't happen. There you go. It happens. Um, But sometimes we're not willing to do those really hard things. And we've just got to be willing uh, and start with small steps to do the, the hard things that God calls us to do. And the more we get used to doing it, um, that wasn't the first decision I promised that any of these people made on stage. Like they, they made smaller decisions along the way that made them confident in who God was and who God um, uh, was in those hard decisions and, and, and listening to him and having faith in him. Um, I'm going to ask this one to Courtney. Uh, how do you go, grow closer personally to Jesus? This is a tough one because I'm not very good at it right now, but I'm working on it, um, is spending time with God. And so for me, what I learned is in high school, I would go on mission trips and different um, different things like Epworth and stuff. And you know how we have to wake up super early and you have to spend time in God's word before you're allowed to go eat or do anything else? Well, that for me was like a big thing because like I love food and so I wanted to eat and I didn't want to spend time with Jesus. And so these little nuggets that I would do in high school and middle school, and middle school high school and through college on different trips – finally kind of stuck with me. And I remember waking up like my sophomore year of college and was like, I should spend time in God's word. And ever since then, I have struggled, but I've also done really well at times of spending time with God every single morning. So sometimes it's five minutes, but sometimes it's literally like an hour and a half, which I'm like, where did the time go? But it's awesome because I spend time in God's word. I read different Bible studies. Um, My biggest thing is like, if I open the Bible and I just start reading it, I just, I'm like, what? in the world, God, are you saying to me right now? I don't understand. And so I like to find different books that walk me through and have different questions.
questions that help guide me through God's word. And that's really, really helpful. And if you guys want some different tips on which ones to look at and things that would be interesting to you guys, I have a bunch of them that I'll totally share with you guys. Um, but that's really my thing is making sure it's consistent. So I've learned that if I let one go, then it probably goes five days before I spend more time in God's word. And so it's very important for me to wake up. And the first thing I do is go to the bathroom, get coffee, and then read God's word. It's great. Um, and I think, uh, I think we just have to realize that we can't sustain a relationship on one time a week or one time every other week. Um, and that we've got to spend daily time with God, which is hard. It's very difficult, but it's a very simple equation. You spend time with God, you'll stay close to God. If you don't, you'll stray. And that, that's basically the bottom line. And this is why, just so you guys know, you have these three questions that you answer every week in life groups. How, how does this, how does, what does this say about me? What does this say about God? And how does this uh, apply? Or how can I apply this to my life? The reason we ask those questions every week is not just to, to spur discussion, but because if you ask yourself those questions when you read scripture on your own, you will have, you will get something out of any scripture. I promise you, any scripture. Um, you can do that alone in your room and just ask those three questions and, and you'll be able to grow closer to God through his word. Um, Ashley, I'll ask you this one. Convince me, that, remember these are from students, convince me why I shouldn't drink or get drunk. Convince me why I shouldn't drink or get drunk. Okay. <laughs> That's a really hard one. And so, um, because I know it's, it's a struggle um, to be that person who's not like drinking and partying. Um, gosh, even in, it was never even a question in middle school when I was in middle school, but I also wore overalls in high school. So I like, well, now that's back again. So I don't know. I wasn't like in the cool crowd or anything, but I know there are a lot of people even now in middle school who are like drinking and experimenting with drugs and stuff. Um, which is really sad, but why should you not? Um, I could probably quote some scripture uh, to you and stuff like that. But I think something that rang true for me when I was in high school was um, my witness to the people around me. Um, by not doing those things, I had a greater witness to my friends. Um, people, there's something about drug, sex, and alcohol if you're not doing those, like, three things in high school, it really grabs people's attention. They want to know, like, I mean, I would get the question, what's, why don't you do those things? What's different about you that you're not even interested? And it opened up a lot of conversations of why are you different? And so I don't know if that's, like, the most spiritual answer to the question, but it opened up a lot of conversations to bring people to Jesus. And it really does kill your testimony a lot of times. If you tell people like, I love the Lord and I'm holy and I'm, I go to church and stuff. And then you're partying with them on Friday night. They're like, I don't see the difference. So I think it, um, that was a huge thing for me, just wanting to be different so that people would, uh, question that and see Jesus in me. So someone else can add something. Um, I was going to add to that. So I did not drink any alcohol until I was 21. And so, but when we went on family vacations and stuff, my mom would be like, hey, you want to try this? And be like, no, I don't want to try that. And so like everybody would be like, hey, Courtney, try this, try this, try this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to drink. And so on my 21st birthday, my friends, like Ashley will laugh about this. They like had to convince me, you need to drink alcohol. It's your 21st birthday. And I was just like, I don't really want to. And here's what it came down to for me. The risks outweighed the rewards. Okay. So when it comes to 
drinking as an underage person, the risks of getting in trouble, which for me, I'm a big rule follower, the risks of getting in trouble, getting hurt, or hurting someone else totally outweighed the reward of feeling kind of floaty, because that's really all you feel. <laughs> you just feel floaty. Um, I feel floaty when I, floaty? I'm 28. But, okay, listen, it's really not that great, okay? It has more calories. You get fat. It's not a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I, was, I was shockingly surprised the first time I drank in college how, how stupid it was. Like, I thought, like, the way people talked about it in high school, I was like, this is going to be the most incredible thing ever. And, and, oh, my gosh. And then I did. I was like, this is, like, this is it? Like, this is all the world has to offer? It's just, it's just ridiculous. It, it's stupid. So um, even b- besides Scripture and obeying uh, uh, the authorities that God has put in power, um, there's so much to be said about just making wise decisions. And it's not wise to, to do things that alter your state of thinking. Um, and there have been a lot of unwise things that have been done under the influence of many things of many uh, forms, of, forms of like drugs and alcohol. So um, we're going to move on. Uh, does God forgive me? This is for Ashley. Does God forgive me if I hurt myself? Does God forgive me if I hurt myself? Ask the therapist. Um, so I guess when we're saying hurting ourselves, kind of the most common things that come to mind that we see a lot with like teens are cutting, um, suicide, uh, suicide attempts. And then you also, if you think about it, um, like eating disorders, so depriving your body of the nutrients it needs, that's harming yourself. Um, uh, Bulimia, binging and purging, you know, throwing up is harming yourself. Uh, Overdosing, mix, I don't know, there's that thing where you all put the the pills in the bucket together and then you just take a handful. I mean, that is harming yourself. So there's a wide, there's a wide way range of things that different people struggle with. And kind of what I think is that, um, I know that God is love. Um, and so I don't think he hates you for doing these things. I think it breaks his heart because you're his creation. You know, he formed you, he made you and to see you hurting yourself, it breaks his heart. Um, but I also know that these behaviors are usually linked to something else like depression or anxiety or something you've been through. And, um, scripture also says that God is close to the brokenhearted. And so if you're feeling that way and, um, then you start doing these things, I don't think he hates you. I think he wants better for you. He wants more for you and he wants you to, to get the help that you need. Um, cause it does break his heart, but he is still love, um, in the midst of that. And I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Jerry, if we are forgiven for all things in Jesus, as Christians, if we are forgiven for all things, why not do whatever we want? Why not just go on sinning? Yeah, so there's this, there's this place in um, the Bible in Romans, and I think it's the sixth chapter, where Paul has just talked about the grace of God and his forgiveness. And then he comes to this uh, beginning of this chapter, and he talks about, so because God is gracious, should we go on and just keep sinning um, so that God could continue to be gracious. And he says, by no means. Because ultimately, um, you know, ultimately I think God's desire is that by his grace, um, it leads us to want to see something more beautiful about life, something more beautiful about God, um, a different way to live. And so... um, you know, God's grace is intended to bring us to places where, you know, we could continue to grow in our walk of faith. And um, 
So, and there was actually, and I couldn't remember this this afternoon, I was trying to remember, there was actually a group of people in the early church that when they found out about grace, they just started like going crazy, you know, parties, orgies, all kinds of crazy stuff, because if God's going to forgive us, then let's just go ahead. And some people have said that Paul was actually addressing that kind of lifestyle that just kind of, you know, I mean, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and, you know, it came at a huge cost you know, to, to Jesus. And so therefore grace is intended hopefully to begin to move us, uh, towards a better way of life and, you know, to enjoy what God has given us and to live an abundant life. And I, and you guys hear me say all the time, like God's laws and the way God asks us to follow him, they protect us. I, I, you show me and you guys can come up and challenge me after United. Find for me one law in scripture or one thing that Jesus tells us to do that doesn't eventually benefit us um, and, and make our lives uh, more abundant and more free. It, it, I, you can't find one. You can't because they are meant to free you and they are meant to set you free from the things that the world just like traps you with, whether it's drugs, sex, uh, gossip, pride, ego. It, it doesn't really matter. Those things trap you. Um, ben, what do I do if I'm the only Christian in my family? What do I do if I'm the only Christian or the person that goes to church in my family? My first thought is you consider it a privilege and a joy that you get to evangelize to the people you love most. But it's also one of the hardest things you could possibly do because especially when it's like your parents, you know, who don't love the Lord or don't even come to church because you're trying to like witness to these people who have seen you at your worst, you know, and they're like, yeah, nothing's changed in you. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've wiped your butt kind of thing. I'm not going to come to church, you know. Um, but with certain sides of our family there, it's just, it, I mean, it's just so, it's not even just like, I don't want to go to church. It's like anti-church, anti-gospel, anti-Jesus. And you can be against the church and you can be against certain aspects of the church, but you cannot be against Jesus around me. You cannot be against the gospel in front of me. It's just, it's not going to work, you know? And I think one of the, one of the coolest things is like, uh, the Bible says like lay, you know, lay hands on people and pray. You know, people don't have to be receptive to you praying for them. It can be as simple as like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're great. And then, like, you just pray for them real quick. Secret prayers. They can't stop your thoughts. It's like the CIA ninja prayer, all right? Ninja prayer. I'm going to write a book. It's going to be called Ninja Prayer. Um, Just saying it's too much writing. But, um, no, but seriously, and and, and you get to to minister. Like, you consider it pure joy that you get to bring the name of Jesus, bring the light of the world into your family, people you love the most. And it should be the hardest fight of your life if you truly do love those people. And if it's not the hardest fight of your life, I would, I would challenge you, do you understand the immensity of the gospel? You know, because if you understand this thing, that we are actually dead, just like pa- uh, Pastor said this morning, we are actually were dead. Like, like if, if you would have put an AED mis- you know, machine on us, it would not shock us because it would not have felt a heartbeat. You know that, like when you, when you, I was a life, was anyone else a lifeguard? Any, no one? Got one. Cole was. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, when you put the AED pads on a dummy, it won't shock it. That would, we could not have gotten shocked by an AED because we didn't have a heartbeat. You know, our heart was dead. If you actually believe that, you would bring the light of Jesus into your family, so. Um, and this will be for each of us. If you could go back to high school or middle school, and I'll start on this one. I like this question. If you could go back to high school or middle school, what would you do different? I'll say what I would do different, and it's not necessarily a spiritual thing, but I would, just, I would just be more confident in who God made me to be. 
Like, there's so many uh, of us, and, and there were so many times in our lives where we just, like, I, I would just shrink around people at, at school. Like, I might be myself at work or at church or something, but when I was at school, I just wouldn't be myself at all. Why did I do that? What I was really saying was, I'm not, I'm not proud of who God's made me to be. I'm not confident in who God's made me to be. Some of you are nerds, and that's how God made you. Some of you are, are, are funny, and that's how God made you. Some of you um, just, you know, are very smart, and that's how God made you. Some of you are, are very popular. That's how God made you, and, and, and we've got to stop comparing how God made us and realize that God made us the way we are for a reason, and we can do work for God's kingdom with our personality the way it is right now. I know you're not perfect, but um, be confident in yourself, because I wasted a lot of time just thinking I was trash, and so I would just act like that, and I would just act um, like I was worthless. Well, considering I graduated like last year, um, I'm just kidding. No, I didn't actually graduate last year. Um, I I would kind of piggyback off that. I, I didn't really get into too much, like, you know, deep, like, crap, for lack of a better word. I, did, I didn't really, like, you know, screw up too badly, uh, which is not, I know, I know, just, you know, bear with me. But um, a big thing is, like, you know, hey, why, you know, why aren't you going to this party tonight? I just don't feel like it. No, I'm not going to go to that party tonight because I believe that the Lord has called us to be holy as he is holy. And that is not something I want to partake in because, like Ashley said, we want to be witnesses, Right. So it would have been a confidence and, and, and a bold reasoning with people, not just like, oh, I don't feel like it, or oh, I have plans, or oh, I have to wash my hair, or something stupid, you know? Like, actually, like, being confident with, like, the Lord has made me this way, and I actually believe what, what I'm walking out. I don't just walk it out for the sake of my behavior, so. I wouldn't go back to middle school, ever. <laughs> Amen. You could it's not. almost over, guys. Even if you're a sixth grader, you only got you'll two get and a half there. years. That's it's it. It's okay. I promise. It's going to be okay. Um, but for real, I would never do that. You couldn't pay me a million bucks. Here's a story for you. I tried out for cheerleading twice in middle school and didn't make it either time. Wouldn't do it again. I know. You can laugh. It's funny. Um, I can't do a cartwheel. Okay. So <laughs> I can't. Uh, <laughs> we tried. I tried to have an elementary schooler teach me how to do that this morning. Didn't go well. Um, <laughs> So I would say in high school, um, I was friends with people at church, friends, and I was also friends with people at school, but I never let my worlds mix. Um, I kept them very separate. And I think if I had to go back to high school, I would keep, I would move, move them together. I would invite my friends who I would see in AP Lit. I'd invite them to come to church. I'd talk about church. I think people knew that I knew who Jesus was, but I was never that witness. I never talked about it. I think if someone said, what are you doing this weekend? I'd be like, I'm going to church. And that's kind of like the end of it because I didn't really want them to come to church, and that wasn't a good view. So if I had to redo high school again, I would merge my worlds. A um, couple of things. One, I didn't get involved in the student ministry till I was in 11th grade, and those two years literally transformed my life. It changed my personality. Um, you know, I became much more of the person that I believe God created me to be, And uh, it was absolutely amazing. And I know some of y'all have experienced that kind of experience in this student ministry. But I look back on, you know, middle school and high school, those years that I was not in any way, shape, or form involved in a student ministry. And so um, I just think of all God could have done even more. So that would be one thing is just I would have gotten involved early on in student ministry. So some of you middle schoolers, that's awesome. You got all these years now to uh, be in the student ministry. The other thing is just the same thing everyone else has said. I was just, I lived two separate lives. I just lived 
one way among my school friends, and even when I was in church, I was kind of a different way. I allowed the opinions of other people to kind of direct my path. And, uh, and so I see some of y'all these days getting on social media and putting things, scripture verses and some things that mean a lot to you about your faith or your student ministry here. And I absolutely love that. I respect you guys. It's so awesome to see some of your boldness. And I wish I would have been that kind of bold follower of Jesus early on. Um, I think first and foremost, I needed to chill out in high school. (laughs) I took everything so seriously. I was so, I think I was high strung, like looking back. Did you think I was high strung? Yes. Yes. A resounding yes from the sweat family. Um, I just needed to just relax. Um, so there's that, like everything was so important all the time and I just needed to enjoy more. Um, but I think the same thing, it's so funny that we kind of all have the same, I think, uh, I just wanted to fly under the radar at school. You know, if you, if you didn't fly under the radar, you had, you were either going to be like victimized (laughs) or you were going to be like ultra popular or it was just better to just fly under the radar, you know, survive middle school and high school. And I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have kind of realized that, um, there was like a, there was a floaty. Did anybody see it? Never mind. Okay. Sorry. Um, I would have, I wish I would have realized that I'm kind of weird and quirky and that's okay. And let people know who I was a little bit more. 20 second answer, Courtney. How do I deal with or forgive people in my life who have hurt me deeply? Goodness. I know. I know. Okay, I know. seconds. Okay, we're, we're so here's the, the story. My parents got divorced when I was 18, and my dad cheated on my mom with multiple women. That's really hard to forgive your dad when you find out about that, especially when you're 18 and you think your whole life has been one thing and it really wasn't. So I had to work very hard to forgive my dad, and I have come to a place where I am able to forgive him, but it's very hard. It cost a lot of tears. It cost a lot of trips to go to visit him that I never, ever wanted to do, but it was totally worth it in the end because now I would tell you that I went up to visit my dad. I didn't take all my siblings with me it was just like a couple of us and we went up and we saw my dad and it was good it was healthy we had fun conversations we talked about random stuff we walked around washington dc because that's where he lives and we had good conversation and it wasn't that way when i was 18 so it's been 10 years okay so if your parents got divorced last year it will change it's going to be really hard my mom still will not be in the same room with my dad and she will only text my dad when there's a hurricane coming so i (laughs) promise you it will get better for you um, what's a one phrase, a one phrase piece of advice from each of us about using any form of social media? Here's mine. Be positive. Just be positive. I challenge you to do it. Be positive in every post. Andy Stanley, what's the wise thing to do? Live above reproach, you know? You don't have to be on every form of social media. <laughs> so, um... So mine would be um, every time you get on social media and you see people's Instagram and their Snapchats and their posts, and you are always usually seeing their highlight reel uh, because no one just puts, I'm lonely and at home crying my eyes out with no (laughs) friends. You know, they're going to put on something very, I'm with my friends, look at me, we're having a great time, and you're not. So you always see people's highlight reels, but you're very painfully aware of your b-roll because you live with your b-roll and you're looking at their highlight reel just remember that when you see people on social media the, 
can't believe I'm going to say this. The only thing I can think of is stop taking pictures of your parts and sending them. Amen. Like, come on. Amen. Nothing can come of that. Don't take pictures of your parts. The church lady? The church lady made an appearance. We don't and need we to didn't see your tattoos all over Instagram. Wow, what a treat! That's just off the cuff, guys. That is off. Wow, that's great. Um, wow, uh, I'm gonna just ask uh, Ben this question: How do we know and follow God's plan for our lives when it when it comes to, especially when it comes to like college, career, kind of what God has for us? I mean, coming here was super hard. I mean. Accepting the job with Beach, it's super exciting, and I'm so humbled and honored to be here. First of all, you know, thank you. Um, but it's it was really hard. Like it was super hard to wrestle between what I thought I was going to do with my life and what the Lord actually had for me. And there's a verse in Proverbs. And you can probably help me. Um, the Lord makes His plans, but the or no, a man makes His plans, but the Lord guides His steps. And the Lord totally directed my steps in so many ways. And uh, Yes, Lord. Um, uh, how do we know? I, I really hate to say this, but sometimes you don't until you take the first step. You know, when, when, when Joshua was going to go past through the Jordan, the water did not split until he put, you know, put his foot in, whereas Moses walked up and it was just split. Um, so how do you know? I mean, if the water doesn't split, you're probably going to drown. But if the water splits, you're going the right way. And uh, even, well, you know, with engagement... Uh, before the wedding, I didn't know that I that this that it was 100 percent the right decision until I was on the beach with you know Dakota. So I mean, you pray hard, and then you really faith is is surprisingly a guessing game sometimes, and that's what you do. So that's good. And the last uh, question um, I just got yesterday was: If God knows what will happen, why create people knowing they may never follow Him or hear about Him? Uh, just the quick answer that I would give is that you cannot command you cannot command love. And so when God created us, he created us to have a relationship with us, but if he commanded us, we would just be slaves. We would just be, we would just be robots. We would be clones that just like, oh yeah, we love God. But what he wants is our hearts, and he wants us to actually care for him and love him and worship him. Uh, and and that, that, that has to include our choice. And so if we have a choice, we won't always say yes. And so we're going to have some people in this world that say yes to Jesus, and we're going to have a lot that say no and ultimately, the only person that can make the decision is us or is that person. Um, but God wants all people, all people, all people. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you're talking to your friend, if you're looking down at your phone, I want you to hear this. God wants to be in a relationship with all people, all people, all of you. And so never feel like, um, never feel like he doesn't love you or he doesn't want you. He wants you. Um, it's just a decision that you um, have to make uh, for yourself. And then uh, the last question that actually was texting me today um, was uh, kind of a personal question, but um, I guess I'll answer it. Uh, uh, Somebody texted me today and said, I want you to tell us when you and Karen um, are planning on having kids. Well, um, July 7th, 2017, we're having a baby. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's exciting, huh? So, uh, Sixth grade boys, that means Karen's pregnant, okay? Yeah, Karen's pregnant, you didn't catch that. Yeah, so uh, outside, of, outside of some uh, close friends and family, you guys are the first to know uh, publicly, so congrats. We love you guys so much, and uh, we're excited to have a baby, so yeah.
can we thank our uh, panel for sharing with us? Can we thank them? Yeah.